Has anyone ever read the Bible and you kind of come across something, maybe a little incident or something, uh, an occurrence in the Bible, and you're like, what in the world does that mean? There, there's, there's a story, there's an, an incident in Genesis uh, that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Uh, matter of fact, I had a hard time completely understanding it for a long time. Uh, matter of fact, this, this uh, occurrence that I'm going to read to you, it actually seems sort of weird if you just read it. You're kind of like, what in the world does this mean? Um, some, sometimes you read something in the Bible and you wonder, what is the significance of this? Why, why would God put this in the Bible for me to read thousands of years later? What in the world does it even mean? That, that's happened to me many a times. Um, but let me read to you what I think is a very strange incident that occurs in Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. Um, we'll be in Genesis a lot if you brought your Bible. Uh, we, we'll put it up on the screens as well. Genesis chapter 32, we'll begin in verse 24. I'm sure many of you have heard this, this before. And it says this, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. The angel said, Let me go, for the day breaks. And Jacob said, I will not let you go except you bless me. And he said unto him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall no more be called Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince thou hast power with God and men, and hast prevailed. Verse 29 says, And Jacob asked him, and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask me after my name? And he blessed him there. Now we'll, we'll stop there, but that's kind of weird, isn't it? That, that, that is very strange to me. Uh, I feel like I'm a halfway intelligent person. I read that and I think, Lord, that is very strange for you to put that in the Bible that Jacob randomly wrestles, has a wrestling match with an angel. To me, that's very weird. I don't know what I'm supposed to take from that story. Obviously, he put it in there for us to glean some sort of knowledge from. What's it in there? What in the world does it even mean? Jacob randall, randomly wrestles with this angel. Jacob won't let him go, so the angel puts his thigh out of joint. Whatever he does, twists his leg, and it throws his hip out of joint. Jacob still won't let go, and he says, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. So, strangely, the angel asks him what his name is. Jacob tells him his name, and then the angel blesses him. I don't know what to do with that, okay? I, I read that, and I don't know, Lord, what in the world are you trying to say? What are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me with this very strange incident that you come across when you're reading through the book of Genesis? I, I find it very strange. What am I supposed to take away from that? It is the Bible. Now, we might chuckle at this, but is the Bible suggesting that I go to my prayer closet and start praying and say, hey, any angels out there want to come down and entangle with Jason D? I need a blessing here. I got a problem that needs solved. Come on, angels. You want a, you want a piece of Jason D? I want to wrestle with you so I can get a blessing. I, I, is, is that what it's trying to say that maybe I should go hollering and looking around for Michael the archangel? Or maybe I should start saying, hey, Gabriel, where are you at? You, you want to come fight with me? I need a blessing. I need a new car or whatever it is. You know, it, it, that seems kind of ridiculous, I know. 
but, but I, I don't know what to do with this incident recorded here in the Bible. You know, what, what am I supposed to take away? What knowledge does it impart to me? That's what the Bible does. It imparts wisdom, godly wisdom, godly knowledge to us. What do I do with this story? This, this weird biblical event of Jacob wrestling with an angel, not letting go until he gets this blessing. I don't, I don't know if you would believe me or not, but what if I said that this, this story here in Genesis, is, it's actually one of the bedrock principles of Christianity. That, that's what it actually is teaching us. But, but to understand it, we got to go back. We could, to understand what's actually transpiring here, we have to go back and look at some biblical history. And now, it's very, very important that we understand this weird scenario of Jacob wrestling with an angel. Okay, so let's go back and look at the birth of Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau were twins, twin brothers. Okay, we'll go back to Genesis chapter 25, verse 24. Now, I say this all the time. To understand the Bible, you kind of have to have some peripheral vision. Look a little bit forward. Look a little bit backwards. Genesis chapter 25, verse 24, it says this. And when her days, talking about Rebekah, and when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment. And they called his name Esau. And after that came out his brother, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel. And his name was called Jacob. And Isaac, the father, was threescore years old when she bare them. And the boys grew, and Esau, the older, was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. And Jacob, the one we just read about that wrestled with an angel, Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. So Jacob and Esau are twin brothers, okay? The Bible says that they struggled, if you read elsewhere, the Bible says that they struggled together in the womb. Is there any parents out there that have some boys out there? Would you agree with me that if you got boys, they fight. They're going to be fighting. I saw some struggling in my own household this morning between two brothers. So Jacob and Esau, these twin brothers, okay? Esau is the hunter, okay? When, when he was born, the Bible says he came out red and, and hairy, and he was a hunter. But when he came out, here comes this twin brother, and the Bible says, latch the hold of his brother's heel. Okay, kind of a weird little detail, okay? Jacob latches a hold of his brother's ankle. They were fighting the very moment they born. You know, they're yanking each other, pulling at each other, picking at each other. And this younger brother Jacob grabs his brother's heel right when they're born. Now, one thing we have to remember is that in the, the ancient times, names were very important, okay? Names really meant something. Now, today, we just kind of name whatever's trendy or whatever you might like, or you might just pick a Bible name just because. We, we don't really put a whole lot of meaning anymore behind our names. But back then, they were very important. Just a couple quick examples. You've heard of, uh, like, Jeremiah. You, you see all those uhs at the end of a lot of uh, Isaiah. That, that's the name for God, you know, added into that name. They, they had more biblical names back then. They were named after God. Daniel 
El at the end of the name of Daniel is, is talking about the Hebrew God. So those names meant something back then. They weren't just random names. They meant something. Okay? Esau means hairy. Okay? Had lots of hair on him. We have all seen a guy that has hair all over him. Esau means hairy. Jacob, listen, means heel holder or supplanter or even a layer of snares. Okay? So one meaning hairy and Jacob the younger, the one that grabbed his heel, means heel holder or supplanter. Okay? Now, you got to remember that it's important because the story goes on. Okay, now we're gathering lots of background information, but it's so that we can understand this weird wrestling match with an angel. All right, Genesis chapter 25, verse 29 now says this, And Jacob, the younger, sawed pottage, and Esau, the, the hunter, came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore, his name is called Edom. That just means red. And Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, behold, I'm at the point to die. What profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, swear to me this day. And he swore unto him. And he sold him his birthright unto Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus, Esau despised his birthright. So, Jacob, the, the younger brother now, he, he who's, remember, his name means supplanter, heel holder, he who lays snares, Jacob sees an opportunity to gain an advantage. His brother's out hunting, and maybe he went, goes on this long two or three day hunting trip and doesn't have any luck, and he comes back weary about the uh, the, to pass out or to faint or to die, hasn't had anything to eat or drink. And the younger brother sees an opportunity to supplant the older brother. Okay, the, the, he sees an opportunity to advance himself through his older brother's weaker position. His, his older brother comes in staggering, ready to fall over dead, and Jacob starts going, hmm, how can I use this to my advantage? Now, Back then, the, the birthright kind of just meant all the, the rights associated being with the eldest male. Okay, all, all the rights that came with that. Okay, the one with the, the birthright kind of inherited the patriarchy of the family. Meaning, whoever was the birthright would then be the, the leader of that family after the patriarch passed away. Okay, in, in this case it was Isaac when he passed away, it, it would have went to Esau, the oldest, the firstborn son. But Jacob wants to swipe it. Okay, the one with the birthright most of the time always inherited more possessions, more of the assets of the estate or, or whatever they owned, the flocks and the herds and the houses. The, the firstborn, the one with the birthright, would inherit all that stuff. So Jacob, the supplanter, sees away and starts saying, hmm... I want to be that. I don't want my brother getting ahead of me. You remember when he was born, when Esau was born, Jacob latches a hold of his heel. He doesn't want his brother to be ahead of him. He's already grabbing him from birth. He doesn't want his brother to get ahead of him. So here he sees his brother in this weakened state and he thinks, I know a way that I can steal his birthright, that I can be the man. 
I can be the patriarch. I can inherit everything. To be, listen now, to, to be a supplanter means to take one's place, especially by force or by treachery. So Jacob uses treachery to, to deceive his brother, to kind of snake his way in there and steal what is his brother's. Okay? So it, it looks to me like Jacob is living up to his name. Heel holder, supplanter. Here he is trying to supplant his older brother. He is strong-arming his older brother in his weakened state to advance himself. He's taking what rightfully belongs to his brother by treachery. Why? Because he's Jacob. He's a supplanter. That's who he is from birth, grabbing his brother's heel. Okay, everyone follow me so far? The, the saga continues. When you really look at these strange little stories in the Bible, they begin to make sense when you start gathering all the facts. So the saga continues. It says, And it came to pass that when Isaac, the, the father, when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau his eldest son and said unto him, My son. And he said unto him, Behold, here I am. And he said, Behold, now I am old and know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver and thy bow, Go out into the field and take me some venison and make me savory meat such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. Okay, so he's Isaac the father's old. He's, he's blind. He's getting weak. Sounds to me like maybe he's bedridden, can't get up and can't do much anymore. And he calls Esau the hunter and says, go out to the field, find some venison, Make that, make that special soup that you always make or, or make the venison meat and bring it to me. I'll bless you. And I just I feel like my time is short. Well, Rebecca, the mom, hears it somehow. And she goes and tells Jacob, the younger son, and they, they devise a plan. They, they cook up a plan, no pun intended. So she says to the younger Jacob, remember the supplanter, she says, go get a couple of kid goats and bring them to me. Okay, so they're, they're working up this deceitful little plan to, to fool their father. Genesis chapter 27, verse 14 says, And he went, it's talking about Jacob now, the younger, and he went and fetched and brought them to his mother. And, he, and his mother made savory meat, such as his father loved. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck, and she gave the savory meat and the bread which she had prepared into the hands of her son Jacob. So you, you see the, the evil plan that they concoct here. Go get me these, these goats. Your brother's out hunting. It's going to take him a while. Now's our opportunity. Now's the chance to supplant again. Now's the chance to enact a plan of treachery to, to overthrow your brother. Go get some goats. Come make the back. I'll, I'll make the savory meat that your father loves. And your brother's very hairy. Your dad could check on that. So they, they put the skins of these goats on his hands and on his neck. Just to, remember, Isaac was blind, very feeble. 
you know, and so he could maybe just barely touch and barely feel. They're trying to deceive him, okay? Really, what Jacob is doing here is doing the same exact thing that he did to his older brother when he swindled his older brother out of his, his birthright. His older brother was weak from being out in the field and about to die, and he swindles him. Now he sees his father very weak, maybe on his deathbed, bedridden, blinded. He's asking, he sees another opportunity to supplant here. Very deceitful. He sees this opportunity again to advance himself through deceit. After all, remember, this is who Jacob is. He is a supplanter. He is a layer of snares. He goes about laying snares for other people to be trapped into so that he himself can be advanced in status, in goods, in prosperity, whatever it is. He's a heel grabber. I'm not going to let you get ahead of me, even from birth. It goes on, Genesis chapter 27, verse 18 says, and he said unto his father, my father, and he said, here I am, who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according as thou bid me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, how is it that you found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him, and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy, as his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, Art thou my very son, Esau? And he said, I am. And he said in verse 25, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's venison, that my soul, my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near unto him, and he did eat. And he brought him wine, and he drank. And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now, and kiss me, my son. And he came near, and kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his raiment, and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Brothers and sisters, do you see the deceit here? The, the lying, the treachery, the surplanting. Remember, he's stealing someone else's spot using force or treachery. This is who Jacob is. This is what Jacob, his life is all about. It's the culmination of his life, deceitfulness. Trickery. He's a snake who slithers in there, steals, and then takes off. All the lies. Jacob is using treachery to receive a blessing, to steal a blessing from his father, to steal the birthright, to steal the patriarchy, to steal all the goods of their estate. Jacob usurps from someone else to advance his own situation. That, that's the kind of person that Jacob is. That's who he is. Take all the fluff out of it. He's a usurper, a supplanter, a layer of snares. That's Jacob. That is who he is, okay? 
Most importantly, when I see this little trickery that, that uh, Jacob does here, do, do you happen to notice that his father asks him twice, twice what his name was? Who art thou, my son? It, what is your name? It's Esau. It's Esau, father. It's me, Esau, the hunter. Feel, feel my arms. They're hairy. Feel, feel my neck. It's, it's hairy. S- smell my clothing. Th- these are the, this is the smell of a field. This, I'm Esau. E- eat my venison. Th- this is the, only the venison that I can make, Father. He's, he's lying. What is your name? It's Esau. It's me, Hunter. Jacob says, Father, it's Esau. Your, your firstborn son. What, what, what? Well, sadly, many times, as it does, the deceitfulness works. And Isaac, the father, does, which we won't read it, but Isaac, the father, does bless the younger son, Jacob. He is deceived. He's old, he's feeble, he's blind. I'm sure his mind isn't as sharp as it used to be. You know, it, it happens. And he is deceived and he blesses the younger son. What was supposed to be Esau's, he blesses on the younger son through the deceitfulness and the treachery of Jacob, the supplanter. Well, Esau, the older son, comes back with the real stuff, the real venison, and discovers that his younger brother Jacob has stolen his blessing. Now, Obviously, this makes Esau irate, and he swears he's a dead man. I'm going to wait for my father to pass away, let things calm down, and Jacob's a dead man. I'm going to kill him. So he's going to kill the youngest. Well, Jacob, cowardly like he is, he's a a snake, a usurper. He lays snares to to sneak past all them. He, He flees into his uncle Laban's. And you, you can, he stays there for many years. You can kind of read about that part in Genesis for yourself. You remember he works for Laban for many, many years trying to get Rachel to be his wife. But after seven years, Laban gives him Leah. He has to work again to get Rachel. So even this, some deceitfulness runs in the family because his uncle Laban's kind of a sketchy guy as well. But you, you can read all about that on your own sometime. Well, it comes to a point after many, many years, really almost a couple decades that Jacob wants to go back home, okay? He wants to go back to his family. He kind of has a bit of a falling out with Laban because he's kind of sketchy and he wants to go back home. It's been many years since he stole his brother's birthright and did what he did. He, he still fears his brother. He wonders, man, if I, if I go back, he, he's going to kill me. He's going to come after me. He's going to murder me. I, I just wonder if, if over the years... And you know how this happens when we mature and when we get older. Sometimes when we're young and we're dumb, we don't think about things very clearly. We don't think about consequences. We don't think about hurting other people. But when you age and you get older, you start thinking, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I shouldn't have treated those people that way. Maybe I shouldn't have used all those people. 
I just wonder if that's what started to happen to Jacob as he matured, as he got older. If his conscience started bothering him and he started thinking back to when his older brother was weak when he came in from hunting and he, he stole his birthright from him. Or maybe he remembered when his father was old and dying and blind and he tricked and deceived his father and then he hightailed it with all of his stuff. I wonder if his conscience just started gnawing away at him and, and, and just digging on him. Well, Jacob finally gets to a point where he, he wants to go back home. He's afraid, though, and he cries out to God. And I just wonder if this is the, the first time Jacob was actually ever honest in his whole life. Because listen to his prayer. Genesis chapter 32, verse 9 says this. And Jacob said, this is his prayer now, after all this stuff has occurred. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham... And God of my father Isaac, the Lord which said unto me, Return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. Listen to what he says. He says in verse 10, I am not worthy of the least of all thy mercies and of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over Jordan, and now I am become two bands. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother and from the hand of Esau. For I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children." I, I just wonder, is this the first time that Jacob, in his whole life, he was actually honest with God when he exclaimed, God, I'm not worthy. I know who I am. I'm not worthy. After all these years, my conscience is digging on me and bothering me. I know that I'm a supplanter. From the very moment I was born, Lord, I was grabbing people's heels because I didn't want anyone to get ahead of me. I wanted to be the first. I wanted to be ahead, Lord. I'm not worthy of the least of all thy mercies, God. He's finally coming to a point where some honesty is coming out of this supplanter. Maybe all the memories of this, the deceit comes washing back over his mind. Maybe he's remembering stealing his brother's birthright. Maybe he's remembered deceiving his poor and blind father for the blessing. And he says, I'm not worthy of the least of all your mercies, God. I know what I am. I know what I am. I'm a snake. And then, oddly enough, this is the point where he wrestles with the angel. So now we know the background story. Now, now, now we're ready to understand this wrestling match with the angel. Okay? J Jacob's left alone. And he wrestles with this. I think now we're ready to understand it. We're ready to receive what God has for us. In Genesis 32, 24, we're back to where we started now. We've come full circle. And Jacob was left alone and there wrestled with a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaks. And he said, I will not let you go except you bless me. And he, he said unto him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Do, do you find it odd, brothers and sisters, that the angel sent from God asks him what his name is? I'll tell you right now, brothers and sisters, angels only do God's bidding. They do his ministering. God says, hey, angel, come and do this. They go do this. God says, hey, angel, go and do that. They go and do that. God obviously told this angel to go and wrestle with Jacob. 
God gave this angel, this particular angel, this mission and said, there's a man down there. His name is Jacob. I want you to go and wrestle with him. And here's what I want you to do. The angel knew Jacob's name. God knew who he was. God knew what his name was. Why is he asking him his name then? The Bible tells us that the very hairs of our head are numbered. Not only does he know the total number of hairs on our head, which mine is going down, so it's getting easier for the Lord. Not only does he know the total numbers, but he's got them numbered. Oh, that's hair number 13. That's hair number 72. That's, that's how intimately God knows you and loves you and cares about you. The, the Bible, I always pray this over people, but the Bible says that not even a sparrow falls to the ground without God knowing how much more worth are you than many sparrows. Them little birds that they're everywhere. If one gets hit by a car, who cares? If one falls out of its nest, who cares? It's just a sparrow There's that's a common bird. The Bible says God knows even when one of those falls to the ground, how much more do you think you who have the spark of divinity in you, how much more do you think he knows all the details of your life? God knew who this man was. The angel knew who this man was. Don't, don't be fooled about that for a moment. Even though he says, what is your name? He knew who he was dealing with. It's funny though, because this isn't the first time we've seen someone asking Jacob his name, is it? Remember his father Isaac? Who art thou? Are, are you my eldest son? What's your name? But, but the other time, he, he lied. It's Esau. It's, it's the hunter. Feel my arms. Smell my clothes. This probably smells like trees and grass because I was up in my tree stand. Probably smells, maybe you can smell some old blood on there from, from butchering an animal. Here, have some of my venison. It's Esau. My name's Esau. What's, what's my name? I'm the hunter. I'm Harry. Brothers and sisters, God knew exactly what Jacob's name was. Listen now. He had his angel ask Jacob what his name was to check and see if Jacob was finally going to own up to who he actually was. Will you finally, Jacob, admit who you are? Will you finally admit to me, cut all of the malarkey, cut all of it, and tell me who you are? What is your name? Will you take ownership of the treachery? Will you take ownership of supplanting? What is your name? It's Jacob. All right, God, it's Jacob. It's Jacob. You want to know who I really am? I'm Jacob. I'm not Esau. I'm not a hunter. I'm not hairy. I'm not tough and strong. I'm not a man of the field. I'm Jacob, Lord. I'm the man that lays snares for other people so that I can advance myself. My name is Jacob. I'm the man that will do anything to get what I want. I'm the man that will do anything to get in front of other people. You want to know who I am, God? That's who I am, okay? That's who I am. I'll do whatever I got to do to fulfill my desires. I'll do whatever I got to do to fulfill my ambitions. You ask me my name, God. You want to know the truth about me? I'm not Esau. I'm not a hunter. I am a deceiver. I am a snake. I'm conniving. 
I've got no problem laying a snare to trip someone else up so I can step right over to them and go, excuse me, I'm coming through. I'm not worthy of the least of your mercies, God. You want to know who I really am? That's who I am. I'm Jacob. Since birth, I've been doing this stuff. New Hope, this is the first step to biblical salvation. That is the first step to biblical salvation. Admitting to God who you really are. Owning up to your sins. I've did them, Lord. I've broken them. Your commandments, I've broken all of them. There ain't a thing you wrote in there that I haven't disobeyed. This is who I am. Today, church, God wants to know what your name is. What is your name? Tell them the truth. Tell them who you really are. Today, God wants to know your name. So many church people, oh, you want to know what my name is? It's Esau. I'm a hunter. I'm okay. Go check on that person over there. I'm good. Nothing wrong here. Nothing to see here. No, no, no. You ain't got to worry about me. I'm doing fine. Nothing wrong here. Nothing to, to focus on. No problems. No, I'm not bad. This person over there, they, they need some. I, I heard they've been doing some stuff. You better check into this person. I'm Esau. Here, have some of this, this fine venison. Smell my clothes. Touch my skin. It's, it's me, Esau. What's the big deal? Come on. Church folks are so good at that. So good at that. What's your name? Tell them your name, your real name. Brothers and sisters, be honest with God. Honest with them. You, you don't think the designer and creator of the cosmos can see right through your baloney? Be honest with yourself. Cut all of it out and tell them who you really are. God, you want to you know who I am, God? I'm an idolater. That, that's who I am, God. I'm vain. I'm hateful. I'm jealous. Lord, I'm a murderer at heart. You want to know who I really am, God? I'm an adulterer at heart. That's who I am, Lord. I know that it's ugly. I know it's embarrassing. I know it's shameful, but that's who I am. You want some honesty out of me, God? That's who I am. That's my name. I'm Jacob. You want to know my name, God? I'm selfish. I'm self-seeking. I'm self-absorbed. I only care about me. I only care about things that profit me. You want to know who I really am, God? That's who I am. I'm Jacob. You want to hear me say it, God? You, you want to hear me admit it? I'm a supplanter. There, I admitted it. Am I worthy? No. Do I deserve your mercy? No. Do I deserve anything from you? No. I know who I am. This is who I am. You want honesty? I'm Jacob. That's who I am. It isn't very pretty, is it, who we really are? Anyone in here with, with honesty, with an honest heart, and an honest mind, and an honest conscience, it ain't very pretty who you really are, is it? At the, at the drop of a hat, I can turn evil just like that. 
I can murder someone in my heart the drop of a hat. I can be angry instantaneously. I can think idolatrously. Instantaneously, it's so natural. Job says, man drinks water like iniqu- or drinks iniquity like water. It's that easy. That's who I am, God. It's not pretty, but that's who I am. I'm Jacob. Church, this is a clear picture of biblical repentance. That's, that's what God's trying to teach us here. Own up to who you are. If I can ask the band to, to make their way back. Listen to me just for a few more minutes, please. Biblical repentance is admitting that you are not good. It's admitting that you have a fallen nature. Just because you were born a human being, you got fallen nature. These tendencies are inside of you. This Jacob wrestling with an angel, is it's a picture of admitting who you are truthfully and genuinely. Even if it's ugly, God, this is who I am. This is who I am, Lord. It's, it's all I've ever known is sin, sinfulness, sinful ways. God, is this even my name? I'm named after it. Jacob, supplanter. Now, you might think, well, you know, it's not very encouraging to come to church and, and hear that you're no good. You know, well, I went to church today and the pastor told me I'm no good. He pretty much told me I'm a supplanter. Pretty much told me I'm a snake. Pretty much told me I'm a usurper. You know, everyone go home all sad. But, but that's, that's only the first step of it. From there it goes on. The, the, listen now, the more you realize that, that preacher today, he's right. The more honest you are and the more you say, you're right. You're right, my name's Jacob. The, the more honest you are with God, the more you realize that you are of a sinful and fallen nature, the more you will begin to value the cross of Jesus Christ. Whoever's forgiven little, little loves little. But if you're forgiven much, you love much. All you got to do is realize you are a transgressor in a great way. Listen, listen to me now. If you think, man, I was an awesome Christian today. I, I did some awesome things for God. You can't witness enough. You can't get and tell as many people about Jesus. You can't do enough good. You cannot. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with realizing I have a fallen nature. I am sinful. I violated the moral laws of God who is the moral lawgiver of the universe. He created all this. Therefore, he gets to institute the laws and the laws that he gave, we have violated. We have blasphemed. We have stolen. We've taken his name in vain. We've thought idolatrous things. We've thought adulterous things. We've broken his commandments over and over and over. And the more you realize that, the more you'll value the blood of Jesus Christ. The more you'll say, wait a minute, that that cross is more important than I thought. It it won't just be a little uh, thing that we hang in a church. It won't be just a a goofy emblem you wear on your neck. It, It will mean something to you. 
you, you'll look at the cross and you'll say, I'm Jacob. But that thing right there can make me righteous. That, that cross can make me clean. The blood of Jesus can cleanse me from the, the usurping. The blood of Jesus can cleanse me from the treachery. The point is, it's not just to go home realizing that you're evil. It doesn't stop there. You realize you're evil, then you take the very next step into this. I, I love this scripture, brothers and sisters, because to me, this scripture describes the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For he hath made him, talking about Jesus, for he hath made Jesus to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Do you see the gospel in that scripture? That we, Jacob, Jacob's sins, the usurping, the treachery, was taken from us and put on Christ Jesus on that cross that therefore me, the one who truly is Jacob, can then be made righteous through what he did. So, so now when God looks at us, if you admit and you believe and you confess on Christ's name, he will look at you as you are, that you are righteous. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him.